I want to know what you're going to think about this. If you were doing yoga and cycling while you were pregnant, that should be enough to prepare you physically for birth, right? I mean, you have the cardio aspect down, you have the stretching aspect down, you even have the mindset grounding piece down. But what if I told you that you could still feel out of balance physically when you go into labor? Would you believe it? Well, for today's guest, Deb Flaschenberg, this was her story. She thought she had covered all the bases for a smooth labor, but instead, she was in labor for hours, and she found out that her baby was asynclitic, or not in line with her birth canal, because her pelvis was out of balance. Okay, but what is balance when we're preparing for childbirth and labor? How the heck can we achieve balance before we give birth? And is balance even possible? Well, today, Deb teaches us the important key to finding balance during your pregnancy that will help create less obstruction for your baby's birth during labor. You will learn exactly where to start, and believe me, the steps are not complicated, and also what to not forget when training to be a future mama. You're listening to the Mamas in Training podcast, giving aspiring and expecting first-time mamas guidance and community from moms who have been there. I'm your host, Jessica Lorian, but I am not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease delayed my journey into motherhood. So I made it my mission while I heal myself to learn with you everything I can about motherhood, pregnancy, and birth so that together we can be as prepared as possible, even for something scary and unknown like labor and delivery. There are so many ways to prepare physically, but making sure that we've covered all aspects evenly in order to find that balance will help us know that we can get through this marathon of birth feeling empowered. Now here is Deb reflecting on her first birth. I had been laboring for a while. I was doing a home birth. My midwife asked if I wanted to get a cervical check, and I'd been pretty hesitant. And I was nervous because when she had checked me earlier, it was like two and a half, and then I hit five. She's like, you're five. I'm like, woohoo, okay, we're making progress. And so I immediately started to do what I tell everyone not to do. I started to do the labor math. I'm like, okay, if it took me this long to get here. And this was hours. So my my labor started on a Saturday morning. And this was like late Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, oh, geez. So I knew things were slow. My husband and doula were in the other room talking about that. Like, uh-oh, what's going on? I knew there was a conversation about, should we transfer? My blood pressure was fine. The baby's heart rate was great. It was never um, a medical concern. And then there came a point where I remember saying it to my midwife. I walked into the kitchen and she was there. And I was just like, I wonder if we should go to the hospital. And she looked at me. She's like, you're going to still have to have the baby there. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> like in my mind, there was something like if that we went the to the cure-all. hospital. That was the cure 
we went to the hospital, yeah. like it would be be over. And I was hitting close to transition. So she checked me. And this was like 24 hours later. And she's like, okay, let me check. Let me just check you again. And she got and said eight. And I'm like, okay. Now, fast forward a little bit when I realized why pushing was taking so long and the whole birth was taking so long is so he was asynclitic, which means that the head is tipped to the side. And I Mm. knew something was off because it was taking so long and I still remember being in my bedroom and they were trying to do all of this repositioning of the baby so we knew that things were a little askew because it was taking forever so we're next to my bed and they had to put me on a a slant because they were trying to slightly disengage him and Mm. help readjust so my husband had my feet up in the air. <laughs> and then my doula must have had my shoulders or I think I, maybe I was like on a chair or something. Someone had my shoulders. And then someone was using a rebozo and shifting, like sifting my hips. And I just remember being like upside down at this angle. Oh and they were trying to like disengage shimmy your body. Like shimmy my body. It was the strangest thing. But there is that moment of like oh geez and then they had me um, on my bed on yoga blocks so my knees were elevated my butt was up and my chest was down like a chest chin thing Mm -hmm. to also and then my doula was vigorously shaking my hips and so they were trying to reposition him and it was that moment that I was just throughout all of that I was concerned if it was really going to (laughs) happen and then there was another moment that I was concerned, is this really going to happen during pushing? When I started to push, I had a little bit of a lip left to the cervix. It was like nine and a half, and it was thicker on one side, which is another sign that the head was asynclitic because it wasn't Mm -hmm. evenly pushing against the cervix. And my midwife was trying to push that lip open, and my water had broken not long before that. And I was pushing and pushing. We tried every possible way to push. And then at one point, this is like two and a half hours into it, I yelled, can't you just pull him out? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm trying to grab the hair that's there. And then another hour passed. And, I, and I'm like, how is it looking? And she asked me, this was one of those, I hope I can swear on here because I remember oh, yeah. clearly <laughs> saying, oh shit. When the home birth midwife said, do you want me to cut an episiotomy? And I thought, mm. oh, that that's not good. That's that's not good because that is a intervention that is not often, especially for a home birth midwife. You know, they don't usually pull that one out unless it's looking pretty stuck. And for people who might not know what an episiotomy is, can you just sure? So there is a space. The perineum is the space between the vaginal opening and the anal sphincter, and some doctors or midwives will cut a small incision, not straight down because that could lead to a bigger tear, but off to the side. So if you have like a clock, it would be like four o'clock instead of like straight down at six and it's to help make more room in the vaginal opening and it's often used if there's like forceps or vacuum um, or if like they emergently need to get the baby out but because I'd been pushing for so long and clearly my pelvic floor was super tight that I said no and I ended up not even tearing but there's these highlight moments of like 
oh goodness, is this, is this going to happen in the way that I wanted it to happen? And all of those later made me see, wow, was there some serious tightness and imbalance in my pelvis that I didn't really know about. And what's beautiful now is it's a, a huge part of what I teach. But back then, and my son's going to be 11 next month, it wasn't as much part of the conversation. And I think because it was, it really left my body a mess. My pelvic floor was strained and tight. My abs were very exhausted and used. And all that held breath and pressure, I believe, worsened any sort of diastasis I had. So the rehab from my from my birth was tremendous. It made me step back and say, how did I get to this point? What was happening? And I, I blame myself actually for a lot of this is because I was still cycling like five, six days a week, which is really hard on the psoas and pelvic floor. And I was weight training and all these things are good, but I definitely think I wasn't balancing it with pelvic floor PT to keep things supple. I didn't dial it back as much as I, I could have. I wasn't seeing a chiropractor, you know, to make sure things were balanced. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were doing yoga in addition to the cycling at that time, right? Yeah, I was. So I would totally think, oh, she does yoga routinely. Isn't that enough balance? Wouldn't that be enough? But it wasn't. No. So one of the things about hypermobile bodies, which is what I have, I was a dancer for years. I'm very hypermobile, is that people with hypermobility tend to have tight pelvic floors because the joints are loose, you know, the ligaments are long, but then the muscles have to create the support where there is the lack of support in the bony structure from the joints. So when I think about flexibility and what my body has is my joints are super open. My hamstrings are very long. I'm very flexible and mobile that way. But the pelvic floor is not open that way. And the yoga that I was doing, and most people do, it's not particularly conducive to a lengthy pelvic floor. So when we internally rotate the femur bones and widen the sit bones, that creates length and releases tension in the pelvic floor. But most yoga is a lot of deep external rotation, which actually brings the sit bones closer together. And so, and they also tighten things like the piriformis and the deep rotators. So a lot of the yoga practice does not necessarily stretch the pelvic floor. And then depending on what practice, there are a lot of yoga traditions that encourage people to do what's called mula bandha, where they're creating a root lock, where they're asked to engage the pelvic floor for most of the practice. So imagine if you're constantly just having your bicep engaged over and over for hours and hours. That muscle needs to lengthen. So we're not creating that balance. So while I was doing yoga, I was still quite flexible, but it did not address the pelvic floor. And all my cycling was really shortening the psoas. The psoas is the muscle that goes from the lesser trochanter of the femur, kind of like that hip socket area. And then it goes behind the uterus, it kind of cradles the uterus, and up to that T12 or mid-thoracic area. And cycling and sitting, which is what I primarily felt like I was doing, shortens that. And not a ton of yoga. Some of it will stretch it, but it doesn't release it. 
And if that's tight, that can also affect how baby's situated in the uterus and how it's going to descend. I like to think of the so as kind of like a, like a runway, like, like baby's pathway mm. out. And yeah. if one side is tighter than the other, that can also affect baby's descent and rotation, which I absolutely believe happened because he did descend and rotate, but because one side was tighter, his head was tipped to the side. This is so fascinating to me because I would totally look at your experience and think, she was cycling, so she was getting her cardio and her heart rate up. She was doing yoga, so she was stretching. She was having the mindful aspect. She's got this all covered. I thought so, too. <laughs> yeah. So how do we know that we have covered all the bases? What could we potentially be missing, and how do we not drive ourselves crazy with it all in order to find this balance? I think body work is really important. And I also think in the last days, like five, six years, more people are aware of pelvic floor physical therapists. It definitely yes. has been elevated. I always recommend to my students check in on their pelvic floor. So when I'm teaching my prenatal classes, we always do a section on pelvic floor and transverse abdominals. And when we hit the pelvic floor work, we always start with the relaxation because most people know or they hear like, oh, Kegel, and they're just like, squeeze, 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 squeeze. But we don't often hear about the other side, the relax. So I'll start by teaching the relaxing part and good breathing. I think that's something that we also need to think about is really good 360 breathing. And then before I even introduce the idea that some people may need to engage, I go through a list of indicators that this may indicate that your pelvic floor is actually tight and that adding more tension is not going to be beneficial. So I think if people can start to self-investigate a little bit, that can give them some great information. And then if they're hitting any of those indicators, they can try to work on it themselves with the relaxation, with some pelvic floor lengthening. But because the pelvic floor PTs are so more prevalent than they used to be, getting body work done. You know, so taking the time to investigate. And the thing that makes me a little sad is this hasn't totally caught up with a lot of traditional obstetrics practices that... Unfortunately, you might hear care providers say, oh, okay, you're pregnant, make sure you're Kegeling. And while I have so much respect for OBGYNs, their specialty is the, the health of the pregnant person, of the delivery of the baby, of the birth itself. But I would feel pretty confident that if you asked them, how do we know if a pelvic floor is too engaged or too relaxed, they probably won't have that answer yeah and they're unknowingly telling people to engage where that could actually cause problems so I wouldn't mm. say asking your care provider necessarily because that's not necessarily their wheelhouse so I think self-investigating which puts a lot on the pregnant person because there's so much that they're already doing to just try yeah. to get through their pregnancy so when you talk about balance are we talking about the pelvic floor and our physical capability, our physical strength, our physical flexibility. Is that what the balance is that you're uh, I'm thinking of several. Thank you for asking because I guess I wasn't clear and I appreciate that. So when I think of balance, I think of the pelvic floor. I think of the bony pelvis. And then I'm also thinking about the pelvic and uteral ligaments. So there's off the top of my head, I think there's two, four, six. 
six that I'm thinking of just from the bony pelvis to the cervix. I could be, I might be missing some. But if you think about (laughs) the bony pelvis, and a lot of people end up when they're pregnant with symphysis pubis dysfunction, where the the bone in the front of the pelvis, we're going to call it the pubic bone. It's actually two bones, the two sides of the pelvis meeting with cartilage. And that can be one side higher, one side lower. That can be slightly sheared. And then on the other side, in the back, we've got the sacroiliac joint, which a lot of people have SI pain throughout pregnancy. If the bony pelvis is misaligned, that is going to affect how the ligaments that attach to the cervix are aligned. So if we think about during birth, the uterus pushes the baby down, kind of like a little plunger, and it's the baby's head against the cervix that dilates it. If the cervix is not in its organic alignment because of something in the pelvis being off, all that power of pushing baby down may have what we talked about with my son, a a lip. So one side might be thicker than the other. So Mm. when I talk about balance, I'm thinking about the bony pelvis, I'm thinking about the pelvic floor, I'm thinking about the pelvic and uterine ligaments. I mean, think about the lower back, think about the muscles that attach from the pelvis to the ribs, like those can be shorter, that can pull things off. So really it's the whole body. If it's better balanced, the pathway for baby's exit is smoother and more functional. It's when the internal workings are are tighter that it obstructs how baby comes out. And that's why some births, baby kind of shoots out <laughs> like a little water yeah, slide. Things exactly. are soft and supple and receiving. And then others, you have these really long, arduous births because baby may hit some speed bumps along the way because the mm. path has been obstructed from tension. So what can we do? Are there any physical exercises aside from we need to go see a pelvic floor physio to get an understanding of what's currently going on and how we can support that? But are there specific either workouts that we shouldn't do or physical movements we shouldn't do or things that we should do that would help us get a little bit of this balance? I don't like to put things necessarily like you shouldn't do this because I think modifications are great and moderation as well as how different bodies respond. What I would say is why someone's choosing to do it. So like I have to put myself back in the example, like why was I spinning that that much? I don't know. I think it was because I had my own body image issues. So was that I have to take, I could take a look at that. So I think moderation would have been really helpful for that. And then when it comes to what somebody could do to help themselves, I always go back to two foundations that we teach in class. What someone's posture is like, if they can look at their habits. It's often, you know, so the the curves of the spine exaggerate during pregnancy, so that belly is pulling forward. And then the glutes tend to grip and clench. And because the pelvis is shifting forward, the thigh bones are shifting forward, so the glutes are gripping and clenching. So if we can go back to checking one's posture, I call it backing it up and stacking it up. So really balance on all four corners of the feet. The thigh bones are back, the pelvis is balanced, the ribs are balanced, the head is not pushing forward. If we can back it up and stack it up, that's a great start. And then really good breathing. And I know, we're, I mean, we're all breathing 24-7, but th- like mindful diaphragmatic breathing, which is different than belly breathing. Oftentimes people say like, breathe to your baby, or which is great to get that imagery down there, or belly breathing. 
But in the pregnant body, we already have that diastasis. Every pregnant body is going to have some. And that means that's the weakest point of pressure. So instead of just thinking breathe forward, breathe into your belly, I actually talk to my students about breathing into your lateral, your side and back ribs. So if you can visualize your diaphragm, it's this dome-like muscle. I visualize it kind of like a jellyfish that when it drops, it spreads and then it lifts in domes or like a parachute. And we want to get all 360 degrees of it working. If the back ribs are sticky and not expanding, that jellyfish or that parachute isn't getting as much back opening. Like we're not getting that 360 degrees. Does that does that make mm, sense? I know my visualizations yeah. are weird. So let me know. No, if that it totally makes sense. does. Yep. And when the diaphragm is working in that full 360, that's what also helps stretch the pelvic floor. So getting really solid back rib breathing can directly help balance and soften the pelvic floor, which is a great start. So instead of thinking, all right, I got to get on my mat and do a half an hour of squats a day, I've got to make sure I do all my cardio a day. Starting with mindful breathing, I think is the perfect place. You don't need equipment. You don't need a lot of time. You don't have to sign up for a class. You don't need a teacher. Just starting to be mindful of how am I breathing? And also this type of breathing is really good for your nervous system. Most people are running around in this state of adrenaline always. So down-regulating, helping their nervous system. So those would be the two places that I would encourage everyone to start. Notice your posture and notice your breathing. And I think those are the first steps to creating balance. I don't know about anyone listening, but as you said, back it up, stack it up. I'm like rolling my shoulders back. I'm like, <laughs> okay. It just makes you, whenever someone talks about posture, it just makes you automatically do it. So I love that. And it, and it is a great place to start because it can all be so overwhelming. And we can think we have so many things to do and how are we going to fit this all in? But just knowing that we can take these first few steps it's a great place. Clearly, you had problems with the positioning of your baby. We can't necessarily expect or plan that that'll happen or won't happen and preventing that to happen. But is there a way that we can manipulate our body in a certain way or things that we can do at any stage of pregnancy to get our baby to ultimately be in that optimal fetal position? The ahead of time, the preconception, checking with the pelvic floor PT, what's going on with that pelvic floor? Are things balanced? Checking with the chiropractor, is everything balanced? And then throughout pregnancy, I would just focus on where are you overly engaged? Where or where? What's your habit? Do you always cross the same leg? Then when we start to look at that third trimester is when I start to really focus on what are you doing in your downtime? So do you finish our class where we really focused on balance, but then just fall into that, like, that slump on the couch? Right. You know what I mean? Like that super right. comfy throwing my legs up because babies are subject to gravity. And if you're constantly in that hanging out in that back hammock of your back, the heaviest part of the baby is their head and their spine. And so <laughs> this was a little bit over the top. I recognize it, but like, I remember being like six weeks pregnant and I was like taking up the whole couch on my side and my husband's like, can you share the couch? I'm like, no, I'm not going to be on my back. He's like, you're six weeks pregnant. Like the baby's the size of a lima bean. I'm like, I'm setting the intention. I am not <laughs> 
did. I did the whole time. And so I just did not want, who knows if that made a difference. I will say my second labor was about four hours. So yay for that. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> It was about setting that intention of, okay, I'm not going to create the pattern that baby could be more posterior. I was super mindful about how I positioned myself. Was I always carrying my bag on the same shoulder? Could mm. I? And then I switched to a backpack. Was I always crossing the same leg? I had a toddler at the time with my second. Was I always holding him on the same hip? So I was really trying to be aware of my body patterns that mm. creates that imbalance. Because we all have it, whether it shows up necessarily in birth or not. We all have habits of crossing the same leg, Absolutely, holding yeah. your bag, you know, same arm for something. So I, I was trying to be super mindful of that and then adding body work. So I think those things um, combined can help set people up. Where is the mindset piece to balance and how the heck do we do it? How do we find some sort of balance, especially if we're trying to conceive or if we're actually pregnant. I think finding space for yourself, space and time for yourself. I know that when I'm hyper-focused on things, which tends to be my personality, like when I get into something, I'm like really mm -hmm. digging in, <laughs> that I'm, I'm actually out of balance because I'm so hyper-focused on whatever the task is, whether it's trying to get pregnant, whether it's trying to have a really healthy pregnancy. I think there needs to be space to not be focused on that and then also some time to unwind and shift the mindset am i putting too much pressure on myself am i getting myself out of balance and as a parent i think it one way to help find balance is to come back to something about yourself because my own experience and that of those I've worked with in our community and, and my friends is that when that baby comes, especially the first, we give so much of ourselves to that child and our whole life becomes that baby for a time being. And then we can feel like we lose ourselves. And then I think that become, then we become out of balance in our own mindset, how we perceive ourselves, our relationships. So I think when we talk about balance as a parent, it's also coming back to the essence of who you are, finding something that still reminds you of you that you did before this baby comes. Because like trying to get pregnant and being pregnant, being a new parent can be fully consuming. If we lose ourselves, that's when I think even bigger problems start to happen. I remember my, my midwife, we had a heart to heart because again, this is like I was really fearful. And I'm really big into talking about fears around pregnancy. I don't think it helps to keep it in because it will, it will show up in the birth if, if you don't address it. Mm. And she said, okay, so what are you going to do if it starts to look the same, if your birth pattern is the same? What are we going to do? And I had, and that's where I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to go through it. Like there was, mm. what else is there to do? But right. that was a moment of, almost like reconciliation with myself right kind of like a releasing of yeah of your hold on it yeah so I made a lot of conscious choices because I was really really scared of having the same birth experience in my mind so in hindsight it was clearly different it was four hours but I didn't know that then and so yeah. I was doing everything I could and then I also had to surrender and I think that was a big moment of 
It may be the same, but I'm doing everything I can for it not to be the same. That's such an important piece, though, that that piece of surrender, because you can do everything possible. I mean, even as a mama in training, there's so much that we can learn and that I'm trying to learn every single day. But at the end of the day, you have to know that you've done everything that you can to prepare. And then there's going to be that 20% of, all right, let's let's see how this works. And then what did it actually feel like? It was really intense. And I was in the shower for a good part of it. And then my doula was like, you got to get out of the shower because you could tell I was in transition. And she finally got me out of the shower onto my bed. And I had one contraction somewhat on my back. And I was like, no. And I was reaching <laughs> overhead to, to my head for it. And I grabbed it. And I said, I think something's coming out. And I... <laughs> In my brain, I'm like, it can't be my child because this doesn't hurt. So what I realized, it was the water hadn't broken. So it was the four bag that was there. And then the point thing is like the midwife and the assistant were walking out the door, my bedroom door, until I yelled, I think something's coming out. And they all stopped, turned and lifted the sheet (laughs) and like looked. and And then the bag of water burst. And then I only pushed her about six minutes. And then as soon as she was out, instead of saying like, oh, how is she? I love you. I literally said, thank God you're out. I'm never doing that again. Like, <laughs> and then I was happy. And she was on my chest. <laughs> yeah. And then she was out and I, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved her. It was a huge release and relief that it was mm. that quick and that functional but it was it was a much quicker wilder ride well you've taken all of your past experience your personal experience as a dancer and have created the prenatal yoga center which supports women online and in person so can you share with everybody what these locations are in person and online and how they can get support so Mm -hmm. we've been on the upper west side it's going to be 20 years this august which is bonkers So we still have our in-person space. Um, We're on 72nd Street between Columbus and Amsterdam. But we're online too. So we actually have online classes seven days a week. And then we have, at this point, we have in-person classes, I think, five days a week. And that, we've got prenatal, we've got postnatal, we've got baby and me, we have all our birth prep classes, we've got infant massage we've got some on-demand classes so if you can't take it on our schedule you take it on your schedule and it's it's amazing just to have watched so many families so at this point I'm actually still in touch with my very very first student of before I opened PYC I had a small space before there her son is 21 years old it is crazy oh how cool full circle it really is it's amazing just watching all these families come through so and it's really been um, an honor and a blessing so people can find us on the upper west side or online and everything's at prenatalyogacenter.com before this episode had you ever considered how important the flexibility and agility of your pelvic floor is for birth just because you continue to work out or move in whatever way works for you during pregnancy it still might not be the right kind of movement. If we wanna have the smoothest birth and recovery postpartum, it's essential that we see a pelvic floor physio 
and that we focus on the release of the pelvic floor, not just the tightening or doing Kegels. And secondly, that deep 360 breath that Deb talked about will help us through labor and birth. But not only that, it will also lower your cortisol levels and do wonders for your mental health during pregnancy. If you want to keep riding this train of the pelvic floor and you're curious to learn more about the pelvic floor, then after this episode, click on over to episode 121, where I interviewed Kim and Kate, a pelvic floor coach and a pelvic floor physiotherapist, all about your pelvic floor and how to care for it in pregnancy and postpartum. You can find an easy clickable link in the full show notes. You know, this topic isn't discussed enough, but we shouldn't keep quiet about our pelvic floors. So how can you help keep the conversation going? Do you have an aspiring mama or an expecting mama friend who could benefit from learning about their pelvic floor? It could be life-changing for them, and they will forever be grateful to you for introducing it to them. So click on that little share button next to this episode and text it or email it to a friend in need. You might support them more than you even know. We have to support each other. Remember, we're in this together. If you enjoyed the show today, new episodes release every Wednesday. So be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And help us grow our mama community by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That way I know how to better serve you. And finally, I would love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at Mamas in Training Pod. That's M-A-M-A-S in Training P-O-D. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together. <laughs>